suggested authorities do an autopsy after his death. He was convinced that there was something physically wrong with his brain. His case is very complicated, right? Because he had, it turned out that he had murdered his mother and, and wife. Uh, and then he, you know, he went to campus and climbed the tower and continued his spree. Ahmad Hariri is a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Duke University, specializing in the amygdala. On autopsy, they, they found this kind of dime-sized tumor in an area kind of almost at the very center of the brain. The coroner reported finding evidence of the tumor affecting the amygdala. That could have dramatically altered his perception of threat. That tumor impinging on his amygdala made him perceive familiar individuals, friends as threat. Think of the amygdala as the body's alarm system. It's a small, almond-shaped mass deep in the brain. The amygdala controls automatic responses to fear and negative emotions, and it's been linked to psychiatric disorders like anxiety and social phobias. We wondered whether someone who was constantly bullied, someone like Dylan, could see a change in their amygdala. Would they perceive threat differently? I certainly think that an individual who is chronically bullied, who's under this kind of constant threat, it, there is going to be a, a strong amygdala component to, to that person's behavior. And if we think about this in kind of an, an evolutionary framework, you want that. You want to learn about these dangers in the world, but Fundamentally, you want to translate that into avoidance. But in our modern society, you know, we expect kids to go to school and they can't just escape their bullies very easily. And so when you have this kind of chronic provocation and chronic kind of stress, then the expression of what is fundamentally designed as, as an adaptive response, an adaptive kind of function of the amygdala becomes maladaptive. Can you sort of walk us through a typical day? I get to school early, trying to beat most of the kids there. I just go in, get what I need, and try to get through. It never gets any easier. Any person that I'm walking by could say something. At the end of the day, after everything is over, I just try to get to my locker as fast as I can. I grab what I need and I head outside, and I hope that Someone to pick me up is waiting for me because I don't want to have to stand there while everyone else walks by and unloads anything left over they have from the day. I was a relatively big and strong kid and I felt like I should be able to handle this. I should be able to make them stop, but I can't. And I just have to sit here and take it. So I didn't want to talk to anyone about it, at least at home. Didn't want to tell family or friends about it because I felt like this was weakness on my part. Now, we should say here that school shootings are black swan events. And you can't begin to explain something that's extremely rare by pointing to something as common as bullying. Many things contribute to someone going on a rampage attack. And there's a big difference between fantasizing about one and actually launching one. Dylan Cossey says he never planned to attack a school. There was never a plot with me. There was never a plan. But that didn't stop people from being scared. Investigators are less sanguine. They say he did have a plan, but it wasn't imminent. I don't know of any research that really helps us understand why or how an individual who's been bullied 
ultimately reaches a breaking point and decides to respond in a, in a very exaggerated way. And it could be that there are changes in the amygdala which we, we don't understand yet. Hariri has been measuring how the amygdala responds to threat in his lab at Duke. He shows research subjects pictures of angry and fearful faces, which they've learned represent bad things. Bad things that are either going to happen to us in terms of anger, or bad things that may exist in the, in the environment that we share with others. That's what we think fear is really communicating. And what he's found is that the amygdala responds in really different ways, depending on the person. And what's even more surprising is that the brain remembers that amygdala response. It has a lasting effect. If you take uh, each individual's amygdala response to threat, you can actually predict the likelihood that they will experience depression and anxiety up to four years later. This was one of the first examples of being able to show that a, a single time point measure of the brain, of brain function, in this case, the amygdala.